I'm Kimberly Amici. Welcome to the Build Your Best Family podcast. This is a practical show to help you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We believe that the secret to having a happy family is not being perfect, but having purpose. Each week, I'll be sharing with you lessons I've learned and conversations I've had that will help you become who you want to be together. We're talking about better screen time for your family with Andrea Davis. When my kids were young, there were no smartphones. They had plenty of time to be bored, and the use of the family iPad was actually a special occasion. But over the years, all of that has changed. And now, in many homes, much like mine, there's multiple devices and screens. If you mention a tech-free day to the average kid, they will probably go into full-blown panic mode because they can't fathom what the heck they would do with themselves without their computers, their smartphones, or their video consoles. I actually really love technology. The work that I do is online, and I wouldn't have a way to reach you guys if it weren't for the smartphone and the handy podcast app you're using. But I'm sure I'm not the only one that thinks that screen time and tech use has gotten a little bit out of control. The solution is to not get rid of it altogether, although there are some times when I wish I could do that. The solution is to create a workable plan to help your family navigate technology and set boundaries for its use. Now, you may be thinking that that is way easier said than done, and I get it because I've made several attempts to rein that technology use in, but I have good news for you. You can create a healthy relationship between you, your kids, and their devices. I promise you, even if you didn't start when your kids were young, it's still possible to worry less about tech and connect more with your kids in 2021. I've brought Andrea Davis, the founder of Better Screen Time, on the podcast to talk more about creating a tech-healthy family. We discussed what it means to have a solid family technology plan, what are the must-have conversations to have with your kids, and what to consider when you don't see eye-to-eye with your spouse on this topic. I will be the first to admit that I have been a bit lax in this area, but after our conversation, I was really encouraged and equipped to make the necessary changes I need to make so that our tech use lines up with our family values. I'd love to hear about how you manage the devices in your home and prevent your family from getting sucked into too much screen time. Let's talk more about it over in the Build Your Best Family Facebook group or on Instagram. I want to challenge you, after you listen to this episode, to pick one area that you can make a small change in or put a boundary in place that will benefit your family, that will help your little ones reduce their tech time so that they connect with you and others instead. Are you ready to start parenting with clarity and purpose? Then let's talk. The free resources I offer are great. I hope you're using them, but if you want to take it to the next level, I can help with personal insight and support. As a family culture coach, I'm here to help you know exactly what to do as you imagine, plan, and build your best family. We'll use a simplified step-by-step process that will equip you to reach your goals and fulfill your potential together. Head over to www.buildyourbestfamily.com forward slash coaching to schedule a call. Today, I'm talking with Andrea Davis. Andrea is the founder of Better Screen Time. She has a BA in secondary education. However, her greatest learning has come from being in the tech trenches as a stay-at-home mom. She lives in beautiful Hood River, Oregon with her husband, Tyler, and their five children. Welcome, Andrea, to the podcast. It's so fantastic to have you here today. Thanks, Kimberly. I'm excited to be here with you. 
So a question that we ask all of our guests, and I'm going to ask you is, what is your family known for? I asked my husband last night and we were like, well, I don't know what other people would say, but Mm -hmm. I think something that we like to be known for is just for working together as a team and, and being creative. So my kids like to make silly movies together. And if there's ever like a talent show at church or something like that, my kids quite really get into that. It's usually a family effort, a team effort. And so I think just and and my kids, my older kids help me a lot with my my work, actually, a better mm-hmm. screen time. And so I think just being a team is something that we're known for. Yeah. What do you like to do for fun together? So we live in Hood River, Oregon, which is kind of a mecca of outdoor activities. So being outside is definitely something we love. We do a lot of hiking, um, biking, skiing. We've been doing a little more skiing this winter. And camping, really anything outside. We also really love music. As I mentioned, my kids love making movies together. We love playing games. We love books. Those things I always say, I love the quote, if you have a garden and a library, you have everything you need. (laughs) So those, if for me, if I have, if I can get outside and I can read a book and do those things with my family, we're we're set. (laughs) Oh, that's fantastic. <clears throat> yeah, I bet skiing. Skiing's been pretty popular these days as a winter activity because everyone yes. just wants to get out of the house and it's yes. an outdoor activity you can do because so many of the other things that we were doing for so long, it just became too cold to do. Yeah. Um, I, know, I, I just don't want to get out for a walk these days, although the, the sun is shining today, so maybe I will make it outside. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I get it. So you mentioned your family liking to make movies. So it sounds like you guys have figured out how to use technology well, <laughs> which is yeah. what you're here to talk to us about today. So what does it mean to create a solid technology plan for your family that will work? I know from experience, there are seasons when I have a plan, there are seasons when I stick to it. I talk to other families and they don't have a plan at all. They're just winging it. So talk to us more about that and what it can do for families. That's such a great question. I, Kimberly, I used to think that meant that as the mom, mostly being the one in charge, that meant me creating a plan and telling everyone else what that meant and and here are the rules. And initially for a lot of years, we didn't need a plan because we were a very low tech family. So we actually kept our TV in a closet and we just used it as an appliance. We would pull it out for the Olympics and for family movie night. And of course, you know, when my older kids were young, so my oldest is 16 now when my older kids were younger, there weren't portable devices like there are now. And even as parents, my husband and I didn't have smartphones in the early days. I know many parents can re- can relate to that. Yeah. And so for a long time, we didn't really need one because the portable devices weren't mainstream and we had really limited the technology for our kids. So fast forward you know, a few years later and we made a big move. We moved from Illinois to Oregon And it was a really crazy time for our family. It was an unexpected move. My husband took a new job and there were just a lot of unknowns. We moved to a town where the housing is really expensive. It's kind of a tourist town, but the job felt right. And we were excited to get back to the mountains where we had grown up in the West. And so during that shift, my oldest was in middle school and we actually handed over a smartphone 
And it wasn't really a deliberate decision. It was just, I want to be able to get a hold of you because I don't know anyone here. You want to stay connected with your friends that you just left behind in those years of your life when you really want to be connected to your friends. And it was just what we had. And so it didn't take long for me to realize that I had made, that we had made a mistake, that it was too much too soon. And that was really the beginning of this journey. And so I decided, I guess I need to do a better job at this. I better create a family tech plan because I had been hearing about family media plan and things like that. So I really, I dug in, I did my research. I talked to my husband, we decided on some ground rules and I presented it to the kids. And it was just, I have got like the glazed over looks and the <laughs> squirming and shrugging of shoulders. And I think it was really like, oh, mom's lost it. <laughs> like she's just, what's, I think everybody was like, what's the problem? Like they couldn't see what's the big deal. During that time, we actually went back to a brick phone for our middle schooler. And it was one of the best decisions that I've made and it was really hard. It was challenging because once you kind of relinquish that control or that ability, or that responsibility, it's really hard to just take a step back. But we did. And I realized, okay, well, what's what's wrong here? How do we do this? We took a step back and I watched Simon Sinek's TED Talk start with why. Mm-hmm. And he's talking a lot about business leaders and how, you know, we need to that when people are looking at a business, you know, they don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And just that importance of reaching into that limbic part of our, of our kids' brains and like helping them see the why. And I hadn't done that. And so I thought, okay, we're starting over. We're going to talk about why this matters. And then I'm actually, we're going to let the kids help us make the plan. Mm -hmm. And so that's really what I teach a better screen time. Because I think, as you said, we either don't need a plan for a while, so we just kind of wing it, or maybe we're kind of half-heartedly making a plan, but we're not involving everyone. And so there's no buy-in from maybe spouse or kids. And it's definitely something that we all have to do together. Yeah. I definitely think that's important to get the kids to be a part of the plan making, because then they are more likely to stick to the plan, follow the plan. And even have like pride in the plan because they help develop it and helping them understand the why is so important. And I think too, understanding the why is what helps me stick to the plan. So on days when I'm getting weary and I, all of their excuses are starting to make sense in my brain, (laughs) I can go, no, you know, like I do care that you know how to be bored. And I do care that you can sit in a room full of people and not need to have a device in your hand. And that's what motivates me and compels me to stick to the plan because certainly it is not ease of life. (laughs) Yeah, no, you're exactly right. It's, it's as much our why as it is telling, getting our kids to understand the why, like what, what is it? And I know you talk all about family culture. What are we trying to achieve or be as a family and our devices getting in the way of that? And yeah. so clinging to that, why is what's going to help you yeah, stick with the plan? Yeah, so sure. good. So in your online course, you say that there are 10 must-have conversations when creating a tech-healthy family. So can you share one or two of those conversations with us? Yeah. So we'll start with the first two. So the first conversation we had with our kids was using technology as a tool. 
And the reason why that is important to start in that place is because I realized that our mindset as parents and how we are perceiving or talking about technology can really influence the feeling and the attitude in our homes. And so if we are just like, technology is bad, you are using it poorly, you are the problem, Mm. wow, it just, that's really not, it's not going to be helpful. And I could see that's kind of where I was headed. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, how can we have a conversation with our kids and talk about the good parts of technology and the bad parts so they can learn that power of discernment and being able to see the difference between the good and the bad, because that's a tool that's going to serve them even beyond, you know, once they step out of the walls of our home, they need to be able to have that skill because we're not going to be there to say, oh, you shouldn't be on that website or whatever that is. And so that's where we started. We made a thumbs up and a thumbs down list. And I said, okay, what do you guys love about tech? And we made our thumbs up list, all the things that we liked. And then I, we made a thumbs down list and I said, what are the things that we need to watch out for that we need to be careful of? And your kids will know, like your listeners that are listening right now, you know, your kids will know what things they need to watch out for. And there might be a few things they don't know about. And this is your opportunity to talk about it. You know, that it can be a huge time suck that we need to watch out for pornography, that there are cyber bullies, that there are online stalkers and and all those not so fun things. But this gives your family that opportunity to just kind of talk about it on a surface level and and make those distinctions. And then the second discussion, we actually move right into creating the family tech plan. So you've built a good foundation with that first discussion. And then the second discussion, you get to talk about why, where, when, what, how long. And and we do just kind of keep it simple like that. We talk about where are we going to use screens? What are we going to do on them? How long are we going to spend on them? And we talk a lot about something that screen time experts use. It's called the three C's. And they talk about, you know, am I consuming or am I connecting and creating? And so obviously it's better if we're, you know, if we're using a device to connect with someone or we're using it to create something new, like the movies that, that we like to make together or am I consuming? And some consuming is okay. We, I think we all like to unwind a little bit with a screen, but really, you know, we talked a lot about when we are consuming, let's try to make that mostly together, like a family movie night and not just wasting time. And so I think having that conversation and then you can lay it all out, write it all out. We always assign one of the kids to be a scribe and we use a big poster board and, or you could use a whiteboard, whatever you've got. And, and then put it, post it somewhere on the fridge or somewhere where your family will see it. And that's great because then it's a point of reference when, like you said, you know, maybe kids are begging or they're whining or whatever it is, or they just want more time on a device. We get to go back to this plan and say, Hey, remember what we decided? And then, you know, later in one of our other discussions, we, we talk about healthy recharging We actually made a, we'll talk about this later, but we made a list with our kids of things to do when they are bored, they want something else to do. And you can put that right up there with your family tech plan. So you kind of got those activities ready to go. 
Oh my gosh, you touched on so many things. So one thing that I can appreciate you mentioned right in the beginning was not shaming our kids into getting off their devices because that never works. Like when we approach behavior from a place of trying to shame somebody, it never does the job. Like it might for the moment, but it doesn't really change their attitude or what they think about it. And so I'm always tempted to be like, why are you on the phone? You shouldn't be on there. You wasted so much time. Like going down that road has never produced anything really well in my kids Mm -hmm. (laughs) or my spouse or my friends. Nor Um, anyone else's. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that does not motivate change. So I can really appreciate that you say that. And I think, you know, simply reframing how we come to that conversation is really, really important. And so I definitely love that. Yeah. So let's talk about phones. Like what's the deal with them? How do you decide when kids get them? I know we've implemented something in our family, which has been really fantastic, but I want to hear from you. What, what are your thoughts on that? Cause I know every family is different. I know every family has to look at their values, look at their situation and make their own decisions. But how, how do you recommend we look at it? Yeah, well, I really want to hear your plan after I share <laughs> share mine. But I, as you said, I mean, I think there are a lot of ways to go about this. And I was a little frustrated and discouraged when I had felt like I had done it wrong. And so then I was researching and asking a lot of parents to see how, how do I do this right moving mm-hmm. forward, especially, you know, I'm the mother of five. So I thought, well, I've got to do this five times. I have yeah. a lot of you know, a reason to try to get this right. And I used to be a teacher before I stayed home with my kids. And I found that in teaching, it was always really effective when I could put some of the power into the hands of learners, like, you know, the the students. And the same goes in our families with our kids, whenever we can give them some opportunities to, for options or for choosing and so again, this is the conversation in creating a tech healthy family, but I just asked the kids two questions. I said, what does it mean to be responsible? And we made a big list. And what does it mean to be emotionally mature? Hmm. And, you know, if you've got younger kids, you might have to unpack that question a little bit about being emotionally mature. But once you kind of start talking about, oh, it means being kind to your siblings and being respectful and those kinds of things, they they catch on. And then just being responsible, they they know, you know, it means getting up for school by yourself without your mom or dad having to wake you up and drag you out of bed. Or yeah. it means doing your chores without being asked And it means taking care of your belongings and not losing things. And so we, we made this big list together. And then at the end of the discussion, I said, yes. And those are all the things that a person needs to be able to do before they're able to have that responsibility of having a personal device or a cell phone. And I've had some people maybe who haven't really looked at the questions or, or, you know, really been familiar with our methodology who kind of questioned that a little, a little bit. And I said, you know, if you look at the questions, it takes a very responsible person to be able to pass all those. And then the very last question is, you know, do I need, okay, so let me back up. So we put those, when we, the kids answer those questions, we put those into a self-evaluation. So that's where I'm getting back to kind of being the teacher. And so we said, you know, do I get up for school on time on my own? And then there's 
options, like never, sometimes, and almost always. (laughs) (laughs) And so we kind of let them self-evaluate and see, and, and that's available on our website at Better Screen Time. And so that's something that we use with our kids. And when they're approaching kind of those preteen years and they start asking, then we can pull that out and we can let them self-evaluate. And it's a great just base point or a foundation for having the discussion of like, hey, what are some things that maybe we need to work on before we get to that point? And so we start out with a family device. And of course, now there are smartphones without internet access, which is a huge blessing and something that we advocate and use. But at the time, there wasn't anything like that. And I know even in other countries, there isn't always that isn't always available, but definitely just starting with something really simple and basic that doesn't have internet access is, is where we start. And so, yeah, I would love to hear yeah. what you've done with your family. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, one thing I did want to say is before I forget that this idea of having conversations around responsibility and emotional maturity, I think a lot of parents think that the kids will just pick up on these things, but it's important to have those ongoing conversations so that they can gauge themselves and, and see how they're maturing and see how, as they get older, they're given more responsibility and to be self-aware of whether or not they are actually like leaning into the responsibilities that they're able to have at the different ages and stages for sure. Yeah. So in our, so where we live, the, I would say the average age that a child gets a phone is in third grade because we have, I know we have in our town, we have two primary schools that feeds into a secondary school. So it's pre-K through third and the end, we call them the end schools. And they all feed into one school, which is third through six. And then you have seventh through 12th in another building. And so what happens is once you're in third grade, there's no like parent like we have no bu- we have no buses in our town so it's parent pickup but in third grade the teacher doesn't the teacher just lets you out there's no like me seeing your mom you go see you later it's just the doors are open and so the idea in our community is that well we need a phone i have to know if they're safe i have to know like where they're going to be and and if they want to call me for a last minute play date like they need to be accessible so that's that's a lot of the conversation around phones in our community my kids are teens now so when they were in third grade we were like no <laughs> Yeah. But they also had iPods that could pick up the Wi-Fi, not only from the school, but then the library across the street. So if they wanted to get in touch with me, they could use their iPods to text me. They could even use like, you know, FaceTime audio. Like there was ways Mm -hmm. they could connect with me. They didn't need to have a phone. And so for our family, what we decided is that you get a phone in seventh grade and you have to be able to pay for it. So we take Mm. first and last month's rent or like the payment and Mm -hmm. then you have to be able to pay that monthly fee. So for our girls, it was a natural transition into babysitting. So they use their babysitting money to pay for it. And then my son has found other ways to earn money. He's got his own shoe business where he cleans shoes, like commission jobs around the house. So we wanted, we really going back to that idea of responsibility, we had seen their friends like on their second and third iPhone. And I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> right. You can't afford that. Like you yes. just need to drop them in the toilet, crack them. <laughs> like you're not going to get another one. Yeah. Um, so we felt really strongly that they needed to understand the value of money and the value of that responsibility. And so for us, that was where we landed and it's worked. I mean, they hated it, but yeah. they are so responsible when it comes so to it. So smart. They know that they're paying for it and that this, it comes at a cost and it's responsibility. Yeah. It's hard work. And I think they really appreciate it more so than maybe their peers. Yes. Once they've gotten it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's so smart. Yeah. 
Okay, so what happens if you don't see eye to eye with your spouse on this topic? Because I, you know, we it's easy to have different opinions, you know, about this. <laughs> I'm thinking of all yes. the conversations my husband and I have had. Yeah, what do you do? What does that look yeah, like? Yeah, this is something we talk a lot about just because I like parents to know that it's so common <laughs> that this is more the norm for you mm-hmm. to not agree on this. And in general, not always, but in general, dads are a little more relaxed about technology, not always, but typically just with kids growing up in general, they are more apt to let kids take risks, whether that be on the playground or in any form because they feel like that's how they learn. And at some point they're going to be on their own anyway. And I know that's definitely been the case in our home. However, and then my husband is a software engineer. He's a mechanical engineer, but he works Mm -hmm. as a software engineer. So he's definitely very comfortable and familiar with tech. And another challenge we ran into in our home is that really our kids are just kind of are smart. And my husband's told me that. And he said, you know, you can set up all the walls as far as filters and monitoring apps and those things that you want. He said, they're going to be able to get around them. Yeah. <laughs> and um, that was not something I ever want that I wanted to hear because in my mind, you just build all the walls and make it as high as you can to protect your kids. Yeah. And that's really why we spend so much time on this education piece part part of better screen time because we know that you know it's it is important to set up filters and it is important to utilize you know monitoring apps if that's helpful to you but at the end of the day you know our kids are going to walk out of the house and have to be able to monitor this on their own mm-hmm. and so we need to be able to to teach them and educate them so mm-hmm. you know as far as you know not always agreeing i think just understanding that First of all, that's normal to not always agree. And second of all, to see it in some ways as a benefit to your kids. Because if both parents really lean one way or the other, our kids um, are not going to have a balanced approach to technology. And so if both parents err on the side of being super protective, controlling, restrictive, it can really backfire. And especially once our kids hit those teen years when they are wanting to be more independent and wanting to connect with friends, you know, there has to be a little bit of this teaching and not just saying no, 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 no. On the flip side, you know, both parents err on the side of just being like, whatever, they'll figure it out. There's no conversations. There's no checking in on the phone. Like, auditing the phone and and checking in on text messages. And I was, you know, say to do that with your kids, not spying, but then that that's also a problem. And so if you can try to see your spouse's point of view as a, as an asset, then that's a really good way to go into the conversation. Mm-hmm. And I think too, just educating yourself and not being afraid to share that research and that information with your spouse. Because I think especially as mothers, we tend to often spend more time doing the research and and hearing other people's stories like, oh, this happened to so-and-so's kid. And so then we're panicked and worried. Whereas, you know, maybe the husbands are... 
I don't know, just more occupied with other things. Yeah, a little bit farther removed from what's going yeah. on real time on the ground. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know, my husband asked someone for advice long ago about, you know, how do I make sure that I stay on top of my kids' lives? And this gentleman, you know, who'd been a dad much longer, just said, listen to your wife. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, which was so, so nice. Like just, yeah. he was like, really your mom, your wife knows, you know, she is the mom and she's there. And so I think just having those conversations, having that mutual respect. And if you have a gut feeling about something that something's not right, you know, you need to be really brave about that and, and make sure that you're talking to your spouse about it so that you, you can protect and keep your kids safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. You know, like I, you know, when you think of when they talk about marriage, they talk about the hot, hot topics, right? But I think technology can be a hot topic too. It's not just finances, sex, and parenting. It's technology. I mean, how do we even use it in our life? I go back to what you mentioned earlier about those C's. And I was thinking as a, as somebody who's online and does work online, like you, like I also need to be aware of, am I consuming? Am I creating? Am I connecting? And so how we use it personally and how we use it as a family has the potential to be a hot topic in marriage. And so just being aware that other people might be disagreeing and that this is actually normal is really a relief to me because of course, like many things, we think our point of view should be a no-brainer. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So for those of us, because I can include myself in this area sometimes, who haven't had tech boundaries up to this point, but would like to put some in place, give us some encouragement or advice on this because every once in a while we'll do a reset in our family, but you know, it's easier to just let it be. So encourage me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think the best place to start is exactly what we talked about at the beginning is starting with your why. Mm-hmm. And even I encourage parents to write that down in our course, creating a tech healthy family. This is actually where we start because I could see that it was all it seemed like all the books and articles were like all about the kids, like let's fix the kids and let's protect the kids. And I thought, mm-hmm. actually, you have to be the change you want to see. And I know that's where it started in my home and my and in our family yeah. is starting with us as parents. And so that's where we start in the course, but really starting with your why and taking just a moment to grab a post-it note and write it down, you know, why do you want to protect your kids? Why do you want to help them? And how do you want to show up as a parent? You know, how do you want to use your tech so that you can be an example to your kids? And so for me, one of the main places I started was with leaving devices out of bedrooms and bathrooms. So during that challenging time for our family that I mentioned earlier, I was working from home for three different people. And it was not uncommon for me to take my laptop into the bedroom and try to meet a deadline, get something done at 11 o'clock at night when kids were all finally in bed. Mm -hmm. And I realized that it was bad for my posture. It was bad for my sleep and it was bad for my marriage. And it was not, I didn't have healthy limits or boundaries in place, but Mm -hmm. before that point I hadn't really needed them because I hadn't worked from home 
and I hadn't had a like nice working laptop. And so I think as we bring new devices into our home or we bring in new responsibilities that might require more tech, like you running a business, then we have to put some boundaries in place for ourselves. And so I love that our bedroom is now a sanctuary. It's a place where I can rest. It's a place where I actually can step away from work and not think about it. And I have, you know, I think filling your room with things that are going to replenish you, like a journal, books, a candle, you know, a nice lighting, whatever that is, and just leaving your phone completely away is so helpful. So when we sat down and made our family tech plan, we decided that my husband would keep his device by the bed during the night to use as alarm clock because he wanted to keep using his as an alarm clock. And so, you know, I think there's some negotiating that goes on, but what we decided was that it wouldn't get used in the bedroom. Now, my husband doesn't use social media, so that's not even a, an issue. And so I think it's just deciding what's your thing for him. Like he likes to watch dirt bike mo- videos on YouTube at night. <laughs> and so I think whatever your thing is. And so he, instead he does that out on the, mm-hmm. the, in the main office on our desktop And so the same rules go for us as for the kids that like, we all know what everyone else is doing on a device because our devices don't go in the bedrooms. And so I think deciding what for you, what's one thing that you could just change and just start with that one thing. Cause if Mm, you try to change too many things, yeah, you'll get overwhelmed. But for me, that, that was one of the the best changes that I made. Mm Oh, that's good. The one thing, because I can get stuck wanting to overhaul everything and not being successful, then getting discouraged and getting into a cycle of that. Yeah. Yeah. And like setting up a family charging station, that's something that we did. Mm -hmm. And I use that faithfully now. I don't carry my phone in my pocket around the house anymore. I leave it there. And then when I need to use it, I walk back to the charging station and I pick it up. That's good. And sometimes it is by me here at the desk while I'm working, but I think just putting some of those small little parameters in place is really helpful. Yeah. That's so funny. Occasionally my husband will be like, why didn't you answer my text? I know you have your phone. I'm like, Hey, maybe I don't actually have my phone on me. Maybe I put it down and I was doing something. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And you can like set your phone up so that if you want to do a do not disturb and just only allow calls from certain people like your spouse or whoever, you can do that as well during certain hours of the day. And then, you know, we were talked about setting the tech intentions. Mm-hmm. I um, set mine for this, at least for 90 days, starting in January, that I've been putting my phone and my laptop away from 5 to 7.30, which mm-hmm. should seem normal anyway, because it's like the dinner hour. But I feel like once the pandemic started, my, our kids are all still here at home in Oregon. But I feel like all the like work in the school and those time boundaries kind of bled together. Yeah. And so I've been trying harder to have a kind of that strict time where I'm interacting with the kids. We're making dinner, cleaning up, going on a walk, playing some games. And then I can get back to work and work from like eight to nine. 
And then it's usually time to talk to the teenagers for a while. It's like that second shift of kids. I mean, you know, you've got older kids, but I think for me, I'm in that stage where I'm transitioning. And so how can I be available at certain times a day for those people Mm, that need me? So a quick thing I wanted to ask you is how has your plan or your intentions changed with distance learning? So I get I get scared to change things, but I know we have to be able to adapt. So now that our kids, I mean, my kids are certainly on their computers a lot. So how how does that, how did, how did you cope with that and the changes? Yeah, well, I've just felt lucky because we had sat down and made this plan a couple of years ago, and I've been teaching families how to do it for a few years. And so that transition wasn't that hard because my kids already knew that their screens were not going to go in the bedroom. And so we have in the corner here, a card table, and it has three Mm -hmm. chairs around it. And I've got another chair here by me at the desk, but the kids just know, you know, everybody puts in their earbuds and we're all in this together. My husband's in, been working from home, but I think sitting down as a family and just deciding what those boundaries are going to be, that, that's been helpful. Even my daughter, just so last night we were all eating dinner and my daughter was doing Zoom ballet and we live in a really small house. <laughs> and so the only place to do her ballet is we have hardwood floors, but I, since she knows I don't want the screens in the bedroom. She was doing her ballet like right here in front of us. We luckily have like kind of a long island, big island, but she mm-hmm. was doing her ballet. And so we were all joking that we had entertainment while we were eating because <laughs> <laughs> it just worked out that it was during the dinner hour. Yeah. And, you know, and so I think just being kind of flexible in that way and just it is what it is. We are still just retaining gonna, those values. Yeah. Yeah. And we are going to be on screens more, but again, returning to those three C's and how are we using them? And my, I've actually been homeschooling my younger two, but my older three, you know, I've just talked to them. I said, you are just, you're on screens a lot more. And so you're just going to need to be on screens less to unwind because Mm. I'm more honestly worried about your mental health and worried about your eyesight. That's a real concern. And just kind of general agitation and getting physical activity. And they've been pretty good with it. Just, I think they're kind of burned out, honestly, by the time they're done. Yeah. So that's been helpful. That is good. Yeah. Your answer reminded me, you know, a lot of the stuff that we talk about in the podcast and when I work with my clients, once you establish those values and the practices and a plan, you just, you can weather the ups and downs because you have less decision-making to do. Like you you have something to guide you and to be your compass. And I think that you're right. I think no matter when you put your plan in place, whether you did it early on or whether you're planning on doing it now, it will prevent decision fatigue and it will help you just, I think, live life with a lot less stress for sure. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Yes. Decision fatigue is real. (laughs) Nowadays, especially. Yeah. Yeah, It's just like making your menu plan, you know, and it's just like, we're not all going to do everything. 100% all the time and be successful at it. It's just, it's not possible. But if we can take the time to make a plan and be proactive, Mm -hmm. and like you said, involve those values in it, then it it really is going to help in the long run. Yeah. All right. So one last thing, I want you to tell us about the free download that you're offering when you want to do nothing. 
I need to know about this. <laughs> yes. So, you know, I think it's easy to find lists of activities to do online that involve a, a lot of time or energy or money. <laughs> and even, you know, for us as a family, there are things that we love to do, like skiing and hiking or whatever. But there are times when, yeah, everybody's been on their Zoom calls all day and it's cold outside and we're all just tired and you don't want to do anything. And so I really, we worked with our community at Better Screen Time to come up with a list of things that you could do when you really don't have a lot of energy and you want to do nothing. And so we we made some (laughs) ideas, yeah, for kids and for teenagers. And I think a lot of the things on there could work for us as parents as well. Mm -hmm. And so we have a list of over a hundred things that you can do that are screen-free when you want to do nothing. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we'll make sure that we share the link so that your listeners can grab that. Okay. Fantastic. I am going to download mine. I have a short list and then I forget. And then I'm like, where did I put that list? And Yes. I'm certainly not super creative. Like you said, when you get to the point where you're like, I really don't want to put a lot of energy into this. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. This was fantastic. And I've learned a ton. Thank you so much for having me. You can find Andrea at betterscreentime.com. She's on Instagram and Facebook as Better Screen Time. I will link to that as well as her courses and her free download when you want to do nothing in the show notes. I hope you guys enjoyed the show. If so, I'd like to ask a favor. Can you head over to iTunes and leave a review? Besides sharing this episode with your friends, leaving a review is one of the most effective ways you can support us and help get the word out about the incredible resources we have to offer. I'm passionate about helping families thrive and your reviews help families find us. Remember, family culture is not about perfect. It's about purpose. Purpose.